we have all, regardless of how good or bad your father may have been, we have all probably, no, we have all been negatively impacted by a father in some way. And a father has a huge impact in our development, emotionally, uh, psychologically, uh, to some degree academically, to some degree physically, sexually. Um, All of these things, a father has a huge role. And as I said earlier, this is one of the main reasons that Jesus comes in the gospel is to reunite us with his father because we need a father. And the father is so central to our development. Um, My own dad was, and he's still alive, is, you know, he's a good, good father. if anything, uh, you know, my dad overdid the, um, the, like, he was very loving, very affirming, very, um, yeah, I never had to doubt this dad loved me, absolutely sure. Uh, every night w- as a little kid, he would come to my bed, and he would take my, my hands, and he would say, do you know much I love you? And he would, he would say, not this much, not this much, this much, and, um, very caring, gentle, but to be honest with you, uh, he didn't uh, challenge me enough. He didn't discipline me enough. He let stuff go. It was easier. He didn't like conflict. And when I became a believer at the age of 17 and on into 18, 19, I met a father who disciplined me, who showed me, who made me pull up my, my heavenly father. And had to kind of fill in some gaps where my earthly father perhaps um, uh, didn't supply. And I want to say all of us need that. This is why Jesus came. He came because his father is amazing. Now, we all know Jesus is absolutely amazing. But in Jesus' eyes, you've got to meet my father. And you've got to have my father as your father. And I'll do spare no expense for that to happen, Jesus would say. And so let me just give you a couple statistics to put into or some some data, some research, just to put into context the, the, the gravity of what we're talking about. This comes from the Children's Bureau, <coughs> some, some research that they did. Here's a couple points. One is children who feel a closeness to their father are twice as likely as those who do not to enter college. Children who, f- who, who would report in a survey that they feel close to their father are twice as likely as those who do not to enter into college or find stable employment after high school. They are 75% less likely to have a teen birth. They're 80% less likely to spend time in jail. Isn't that amazing? They, and half as likely to experience multiple depression symptoms. Also from the Children's Bureau, children with actively involved fathers, so So fathers who would be described as being involved in their academics, involved in their social development, involved in their life at that level. Children with actively involved fathers are 43% more likely to earn A's in school and 33% less likely to repeat a grade than those without engaged fathers. Would you agree with me that presence of fathering is incredibly important? Two researchers, uh, sociological researchers, C. Noster and D.A. Hain, in their um, research, uh, this is a direct quote from their findings, 
the statistical data showed that a 1% increase in the proportion of single parent families in a neighborhood is associated with a 3% increase in an adolescent's level of violence. In other words, adolescents who live in neighborhoods with lower proportions of single parent families who, and who, rep um, who report higher levels of family integration commit less violence. So the more fathers present, the less violent a child is likely to be. So Jesus comes in the gospel, as I've said multiple times already, to give us the same relationship that he had with his father. Why? Because of the fall, we have imperfect fathers, and those imperfect fathers have negative impacts on our development. And as I said at the beginning, all of us, have been negatively impacted because we have imperfect fathers. Thus, we have the need for the Father, God the Father. But uh, what I want to say this morning is that the obvious end to that is that God wants to be that for us. Far from the idea that Jesus came so that we would have some hope of, of uh, being approved by this otherwise severe father and i'm not saying that god isn't severe paul says that behold the kindness and severity of god my dad was kind i needed severity <laughs> he is severe but he's not only severe we need a father who in heaven who will fill that void jesus says this after the resurrection after he's completed what he came to do he's died on the cross gone into the grave comes back appears and he says this Jesus said to her, go to my brothers. Speaking of the apostles, my brothers. What does that suggest? We have a common father now because of what I've done. Go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. The result of, the, of what Jesus has done is to give his father to become our father. And while I love my dad, I'm so grateful for him. Uh, I am so grateful that I have a, a, an eternal father. And even I'm so aware of my role as father to these two young men. Sorry, you have to become sermon illustrations uh, over and over. I'm very aware that my role as father is very limited. And in fact, we're brothers. You know, I've got a very, a very significant role in their lives, but they have a higher father, and he's ultimately the one that we need. So this morning, I just want to look at this, who the father is to us, and a couple points that we're going to look at of who the father is to us. This is not conclusive by any stretch, but one is that a father knows his children and is known by them. Another idea of who the father is is that he provides for his children. Another is that the father trains his children and we're also going to look at the fact that a father imparts his DNA not to say the mother doesn't all also but there's something of the DNA that's imparted by the father and so the idea is we want to know who God is to us but we also want to know how to father uh, for some of us who are fathers and and then also to show the Father to our community. Because as God is to us, so we are called to be to the world. 
and to give, freely give what we've freely received. And so we're going to, as we're looking through these things quickly, we're going to, we're actually going to pray. We're, we mixed worship with prayer earlier. I liked that, by the way. And we're going to mix preaching with prayer. So just be ready. I, I just to, in, in, almost immediately to turn your heart uh, to the Lord in prayer and to just invite him into the recesses of your heart around s- certain of these ideas here. So the father knows his children and is known by them. Uh, Jesus in Matthew chapter 11 says this, all things have been delivered to me by my father. And listen to this. No one knows the son except the father. Would you agree? The father knows his children. It's part of being a dad knows his children. I mean, obviously all of us know our children, but knows his children. No one knows the son except the father and no, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. And later, John, uh, uh, Peter, I mean, Jesus says in John 10, 15, As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. Critical to the role of the Father is knowing children and the children knowing the Father. Um, I have... Uh, in fact, we have a friend who sadly has passed away. Difficult life. Pastor guy out down in Tennessee. Speaks of uh, growing up and, and, and having such a uh, aloof, kind of cold and distant and uh, uh, just an upsetting father. And one day he uh, overheard his sister go into the other room where the father was. And, a- and the sister asked the father, Dad, do you love us? And he never answered. He said it would have been better if he would have said no, but to hear that lingering silence of never knowing, do you love me? And that that thing in in Jim, you know, had had physical issues for the rest of his life. Were they directly related? I don't know, but I certainly wonder some of the stuff that, that, that we go through as a result of not having dads who are present. And so here's the Father, the Father God, Revealing himself through Jesus as a dad who knows his children. Intimately and intricately interested in the child. Can I just say this? God is intimately and intricately interested in you. And not only that, he wants to unveil himself to you and me. To not be aloof. To not be hidden. To not maintain his role of power and dignity unless you see who he really is. But rather to openly express and to show who he really is. What does this kind of look like on a practical and more detailed level? I would say a father takes interest in their children uh, in terms of their personality, to know their personality and the nuances of their personality, their dreams and their calling. Who else on the earth is more suited to help a child walk into their calling than, than than their dad? Uh, to their development, which would speak of their academic life, their social skill development, and their spiritual life. But not only that, a father shares their life with their children, learning lessons. I've shared with these boys both things that I've learned that are wonderful from, from God and from my flaws and mistakes and my errors that they wouldn't repeat in those things. You know what I mean? It's, it's about being known. 
And the Father doesn't have mistakes, but he wants to be made known to all of us. That we can learn from him. So can I ask you just to close your eyes real quick? I want all of us just ask sincerely, is this who God is to me? Is this who God is to me? Is he my father and, and making himself known and wanting to know me, be intricately involved in my development? I'd like to pray for all of us. Father, I pray anywhere where perhaps there's bad experiences with our earthly fathers, where our earthly fathers have fallen short, where we have not received what we, what we were originally supposed to before the fall from the Father, where we can only receive from you, I pray, Father, for healing in areas this morning, healing of hearts, things that have been covered over perhaps for years because they're too painful to deal with, so we just cover them over and we ignore them pretend that they're not there and bury them somewhere. Lord, I pray, Father, that they would they would be uncovered, that you would be able to come in with your loving hands and heal and be revealed in Jesus' name. I want to ask you to receive right in this moment as well. Can I just read a scripture? You can keep your eyes sh shut if you're comfortable doing that. I just want to speak over you this morning. If you receive Jesus, if you have received him, as your Lord, as your Savior, as the Son of God. It is his desire for you to know his dad. He says in Matthew 11, Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. And if you have received him, it is his will to reveal his dad to you. Receive that this morning. And so the second thing, you can open your eyes, the second thing, the Father provides for his children. The Father provides for his children. It says in Matthew 6.26, Jesus says, Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more of more value than they? You know, right now, some of you know that I, I do real estate, and it seems like I've, I've been in different phases. We've been in different phases of our lives where we've been able to give ourselves full time, you know, to pastoring and, and, and that kind of thing, and other times where we've had to have secular forms of, of income, and we're in the latter phase at the moment, um, and which, which means I'm burning the candle at both ends with uh, real estate and, and also doing the work in the church, but, but why? It's because... These boys and this woman as well, but we're speaking of fathering. Sorry, Minda. The, these boys are my responsibility. Shame on me if I don't do what it takes to, to, uh, to cover them and to provide for them. And so I'm willing to grind. I'm willing to, to do whatever it takes. The absence of a father, and certainly we're not saying that a single mother can't very um, – wonderfully provide and, and have a wonderful career but there's something there's something of a father in the role of, of being the champion and going out and kind of killing so to speak for the family um, and the absence of which can bring about a sense of fear and abandonment who's going to be my champion who's going to 
make sure that I've got what I need. And here's the Father, according to Jesus, saying, Your heavenly Father feeds the birds of the air. Are you not more than they, of more value than they? And he teaches in that same chapter that through the gospel coming into what he is, the, the kingdom of God that he's a part of, the Father becomes provider for us. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. There was a moment uh, in, in, in our lives when we were moving to South Africa, 2008. Uh, we were in, um, I was full-time pastoral staff of a church uh, down in Georgia, and um, we were going through some lean, lean times. In fact, many of you would remember 2008, perhaps. Many people were going through some lean times. And uh, we didn't know what the heck we were going to do. I mean, it was, it was getting tough. Uh, and, uh, you know, as, as God normally does in such times, um, he put a dream in Minden and I's heart that we needed to do an exploratory trip to South Africa and uh, just kind of minister there, which makes sense, you know, lucra- uh, from, from a financial perspective. Why not, why not take a trip to the other side of the world and to go do, like, mission work for, for a month? And uh, so we, we, but we just felt God was in that, and we talked to the rest of the pastoral team, and there was agreement around that. And, and so, I mean, I w- how are we going to provide and, and, and go to the church? Everyone's suffering right now financially, and we're going to go to the church, and we don't have money to do it, so we're going to have to see if they'll be willing to, to raise funds, I mean, support us in it. And next thing I know, boom, itinerary filled up, mainly thanks to these two and God using them, just different churches, different ministries that we could connect with while we were there, and the funds just come. And then we we go there, and while we're there, I feel the Lord speak to me, I'm calling you to this nation. And, um, which, which, I wasn't expecting that. And next thing we know, we're we're being called, well, moving to another nation is also a little bit, you know, pricey. I don't know if you know that. And uh, so we, but like employment lines up, but we've got some serious expenses to get our whole family back over there and to get rid of all of our stuff. And I just remember praying that scripture, seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness and all these things will be added to you. In three months time, we had everything sorted out, employment, housing, boom, 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 boom. And next thing I know, we're on a plane headed back to South Africa and God rolls out a red carpet and, and, unveils a purpose there but that never would have happened without trusting that not what makes sense to my logic but what is God speaking to our spirit because he is a he's a father who can be trusted and so seek first the kingdom what I'm saying is in his kingdom as we're following his son all the father it's his good pleasure to provide for every single one of our needs there is provision in the gospel, provision in this earth for you. God wants to be the father who provides for his children. That's part of what he has restored. Can I ask us just to receive that today? Receive that. Um, I, I hope that there's some inkling of faith that rises in your heart, even when I say that, that God wants to be my provider. And I would encourage you right here, right now, just to say that, God, you are my, my provider. You, you are my provider. It, it is not so much 
will he provide? Does he want to provide? It's actually, are we willing to trust him? Just b- receive this morning that your father already has your needs uh, planned for. Uh, thirdly, is a father trains his children. Now, I, d- I certainly don't want to suggest um, me as a uh, perfect example of fathering. Um, my boys can get up and testify to the church this morning that what I have just said is true. <laughs> In fact, my wife could as well. So, but I will say that we, Minda and I, have made every effort to know our boys and to be known by our boys and to bring them into anything that we have to train them in, whether it's the mistakes that we've made and the things that we've not done right or the things that God has taught us that we want to make sure don't end with us but are passed on to the next generation that they can go further. And so these boys have know something of what it is to worship. They know something of what it is to study the scripture. I'm not talking about like forcing them to, you know, worship, boy. I'm, I'm talking about spending time in, not in church, in the living room. Sharing a, my relationship with God. Sharing what, how I have come to this relationship with God and, in, and showing them how to have that same thing and encouraging them with it. Now it's, you know, their relationship with God isn't all from, from that. They've been powerfully impacted by other vessels that God sent their way, but it's, it's definitely a part of it. They've learned to lead community groups and to function and are learning more and more to function in, in d- different aspects of leadership and doing yard work. <laughs> um, social skills, making money and managing money, study skills, sexual purity, anything that it, that that we have learned we've tried to give that and again we're not perfect i'm just saying this is kind of the concept of training our children and the father wants to train us uh listen to this jesus said john 5 19 most assuredly i say to you the son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the father do would you agree that's training language And whatever he does, the son also does in like manner, being willing to be trained. For the father loves the son and shows him all things that he himself does. At the age of 12 years old, Jesus, the age that we would associate with bar mitzvah, it's a a transitional phase, 12 years old in the Jewish custom of Jesus' time, where you would go from being a child and being predominantly under your mom's tutorage to, becoming, under, to becoming an apprentice of your father and taking on his business, as a boy, that is. And uh, in this case, Jesus, the man, not Jesus Christ, but Jesus, the man, was, was the son of Joseph, a carpenter. And so that was his time to take on, and, which he did at the age of 12. He began to become an apprentice to Joseph as a carpenter. But at the age of 12, they go to the city of Jerusalem for the Passover feast. And you may know the story. They're heading back home. And Mary and Joseph at some point during the journey say, wait a minute, (laughs) Jesus? Where's Jesus? And so they have to head back to Jerusalem, and they're going everywhere trying to find Jesus. And where do they find him? They find him in the temple. It says he's asking these amazing questions of of the priests. And when they come to him and say, Jesus, why did you stay here? And he says, did you not know that I would be about 
my father's business, says the King James. And it's a good translation in this particular context. My father's business. At the age of 12, Jesus, when it would come time to leave his mom's tutorage and enter under his father's tutorage, he didn't just begin something with Joseph as carpenter. He had obviously, according to what I just quoted, a revelation that he was God's son, and as such, he was to be trained to take on the business of his father. That is what Jesus invites us into in having that same relationship with God, is that the father has a business, and he wants you and me to become sons and, and, and or daughters to take on the business of the father and to be trained by the father. Now, how was Jesus trained for the business of his heavenly father? We, it, it, he didn't. What did he do for the next journey in his life? For the next 18 years, Jesus went and became a carpenter under Joseph. So God didn't like physically manifest himself to Jesus to train him. And yet he used these earthly things to be in Jesus's life to train him up to the age of 30 when he would get baptized and enter into his, the fullness of his calling. Are you following me? God wants to do the same thing with you. He's not going to physically appear to you and train you and sit down with you at the edge of your seat and, and train you. He's going to take the circumstances that, that you walk through. He's going to take the stuff that the devil wants to do in your life. And as you seek him, he, he will turn all of that around to teach us some things so that we can be trained to take on Papa's business. You follow? And so I'd like just to ask this morning, ask ourselves, honestly, do I believe that God is training me for purpose? Am I cognizant of that? Am I actively participating in that? Ask ourselves this question. Am I listening to my father's instructions? Sometimes we not, we're not listening because we're not expecting it because we don't even really believe that he's wanting to train us. And if you know that you're being trained, whatever you walk through, you know that you're safe. No matter how bad it gets. He's training you. Sometimes he's training you in wisdom. Sometimes he's training you in faith. Sometimes it's both. Ask ourselves this. Am I open to the Father's instruction? Am I following? Just receive in your heart this morning. God is desiring to train you for a role in his kingdom. You have a calling and a destiny. Something that he saw when he fearfully and wonderfully made you in your mother's womb. He spoke purpose and destiny and cares about it over your life. And he is training you for that. Listen to these words from Jesus. Luke 22, verse 29. I bestow upon you a kingdom just as my father bestowed one upon me. Isn't that amazing? The church is called to be the ambassadors, the, the emissaries of, a, of the kingdom of God. And to carry weight in that kingdom and to carry responsibility and even to have authority bestowed upon us, delegates of, of that kingdom into the earth. But we got to be trained by the Father because it's his kingdom. Amen? And lastly, the Father imparts his DNA. If, and my dad, now he grew up in Baltimore, but he, 
uh, lives in Atlanta uh, with my mom. And if you ever were to meet, some of you have met my father, there would be no doubt if he were to walk in the room whose son I am. <laughs> it is clear. We're both tall. We both eat ungodly amounts of food and somehow remain relatively thin. We both have blue eyes. We're, we're both, I would say, friendly. Hopefully <laughs> all of you agree with that one. <laughs> we tend to be kind of soft and, and, and friendly. Uh, we, we both struggle with auditory processing. My dad's a psychiatrist, or was. Uh, that's, that's amazing to me. How did he ever have that career? Uh, a career of listening to people. <laughs> I don't know if he's ever heard. Anyways. Is he, he, I'm, I am clearly, in fact, there was one time where somebody took a picture of me and my dad and Peter, and we're all sitting, all in the exact same position, n- none of us knowing, all crossing our legs and tapping our foot the exact same way. <laughs> There's a DNA, you know, that is passed on from the Father, and that is true of the Heavenly Father. There is a DNA that we are supposed to, in this earth, look like our Father. People see us and think that's what God looks like. I know that sounds crazy. That is what the church is supposed to be. The body of Christ, just as he was a perfect representation of his Father, the exact representation of God, uh, uh, the, the glory of God manifested in human form, the church, in our imperfection, is called to reveal something of the nature of of Christ, who is the perfect representation of the Father. That is our, our call. How in the world do we do that? Well, we can't do that, but there's an impartation of DNA that happens. Now, what, what, how does that work? Well, if you go back to Genesis chapter 1, it says that, if you remember, I'm sure you do, that it says we were created in the image and likeness of God. Well, what does that mean? I oftentimes say this. Some of you are probably tired of hearing it, but does that mean that God is like this enormous human figure out in the sky somewhere, and we're like little made in his image, like he looks like a human? I would dare say not, right? I mean, surely the astronomers would have seen this huge figure out there somewhere. Well, if, if we're not in his image in that sense, what does that mean? means that we're created uniquely as spirits and that connection in the spirit was what was lost at the fall through sin and it's the reconnection of a spirit of the spirit that causes us to again be in the likeness of God what I'm saying is that DNA comes to us by the spirit we receive when we become children of God through faith in Jesus we have the DNA inside of us it's a matter of not living by our flesh and our natural understanding and rather living by the spirit that causes us to reflect something of God who now dwells in us by the spirit. I hope I'm making sense. And so listen to these words, because I think the Apostle Paul perhaps picked up on this concept. Romans eight fourteen, For as many as are led... By the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Fathering. Uh, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit 
of adoption, fathering, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are children of God. How does God impart his DNA just like my DNA is in these two boys and they look kind of like me and kind of like Minda and act kind of like both of us? How does, that, how does God put his DNA us? By the Spirit of God dwelling in us when we place our faith in Jesus and become born again, new creations in Christ. We have already the nature of God inside of us. We don't have to try to work on the fruits of the Spirit. I've heard that said. I really need to work on patience. Keep working. You'll never get there. Patience is in you by the Spirit, and as we abide in the Spirit with spiritual connection with Jesus, through worship, through prayer, through yielding our hearts, patience is a fruit that grows on our tree. It just is produced from that. We have the DNA inside of us already. The power of God to not just do the fruits of the Spirit, but the gifts of the Spirit already inside of you by the Spirit of inside of you that we would reflect the DNA of heaven itself. Listen to these words that Jesus says, Acts chapter 1, verse 4, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them that they not depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me for truly. What is the promise of the Father? What is this essence of the Father? Why does Jesus refer to it as the promise of the Father? Why was it not like his own, like something I'm going to do? In fact, it's said of him that he's the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. Why is it the promise of the Father? You have heard from me, and John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. The Spirit is what makes God our Father because God is a Spirit. And we become spirits with, we, we are spirits, but we become spiritually connected with him and share his spirit dwelling inside of us through faith in Jesus. And even the baptism of the spirit poured out upon us gives us power from on high to reflect something of, of, his, of his nature. His spirit is the nature and likeness and image of God within us. And so I want to ask ourselves to ask ourselves. <laughs> Ask us to ask ourselves, what well am I drawing from? What well am I drawing from? And be real. I'm not talking about as we're praying at 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning and we're doing, I'm, that's good. Draw, draw, draw from the well of the Spirit there. But what about Monday morning? What well am I drawing from? Is it my own strength or is it spiritual connection with the Father? Am I led by the Spirit? Do I even know what that is? It's okay if I don't. I want to tell you God dwells inside of you if you've placed your faith in Jesus. And he wants to be made known to you. He wants you to learn to sense the leading of his Spirit. It's not hooky. It's not hocus pocus. It is real. It is the essence of the gospel, the essence of the one Jesus who says, I only do what I see the Father doing. That was not the eyes of his head that saw the Father. It was the eyes of his heart. And he calls us into that same relationship through the Spirit to see the Father, 
to feel the leading of the Spirit and to allow the Lord to lead us. Now, he's not going to lead you to do everything you do. If you make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, you don't have to have a word from God to do it. <laughs> and some, some of us can get a little weird with that. But our posture should be, I'm doing what makes sense, but at all times while I'm doing what makes sense, I'm open to relationship with the Lord and for him to lead me to do that which does not make sense and to interrupt my plans and to do what he wants to do. So we don't turn our brains off, but we put our brains in the back seat and allow the spirit to be in the driver's seat. You follow? Brain still has a role. But the brain is not the determining factor. It's the spirit of God. It's your relationship with God. It's his voice that you learn to trust, not your thoughts and your intellect and your own wisdom.